G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What's the difference between shame and guilt? Well, someone said that shame is the fear of abandonment, but guilt is the fear of punishment. And that's an interesting observation because the word guilt is from an old English word, guilt, spelled G-Y-L-T. Whilst this word means failure, it also is from this word that we translate the word guild, or to cover with gold. It's associated with payment. Guilt sends a message to the guilty person which says, you'll pay for this. Many of us have done things that we would wish nobody else would know about. But if we did not establish our hearts in the knowledge that God has forgiven us, then the guilt which is lodged there will constantly send this message. You can't get off that easy. Sin comes with a price tag. It's only a matter of time and you will pay. And then, for instance, if we get a bad medical report, immediately we will assume that our day of reckoning has come and that we will probably die of cancer or some such thing. Satan will use guilt to condemn you. Others will use guilt to control you. But on the cross, Jesus paid not only for your forgiveness of sin, but also for your freedom from guilt. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. I'm Phil Edwards and we're wrapping up a conversation today that we've been having on the subject of dealing with guilt, the number one killer. And Ken, you've shared some interesting thoughts from the letter of Hebrews this week and uh, it might be helpful for uh, perhaps people who have just joined us today if you uh, summarise what you've said uh, from Hebrews, uh, particularly about the part of uh, going on to perfection and what that really means. Yeah, the meaning of that word perfection means to bring something into a state for which it was created. Now, when it says let us go on to perfection, it's talking about us coming into that perfect state for which we were created. Now, what was that? Well, it was for communion with God. And if we're to come to that place where we enjoy perfect communion with God, that will involve two things. And this is what the book of Hebrews writes about. First of all, it means that God has no thought of our sins. And that's what he promised. He says, your sins and your lawless deeds I will remember no more. That means he will not call them to mind. He will not bring them against us and make no reference to them. But secondly, of course, it means that the thought of sin must be removed from our heart. There must be no consciousness of sin, but instead an overwhelming sense of the righteousness of God. And as we feel righteous before God, as we know our righteous state, we will draw confidently near to God. I guess it's fair to say that we'll never know a perfect relationship with God if we're just continually focusing on our sin and dragging it up again all the time. It it makes us think that God wants to draw back from us, and it'll certainly make us to want to draw away from him, won't it? I agree, Phil, totally. I mean, Jesus didn't come into the world so that we might know condemnation. He said that. He said, I've not come into the world to condemn the world. I've come to save the world. Give it life. Came to give us life, eternal life. And uh, what did he say? This is life eternal that we might know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. I love the account which Luke shares, Phil, in his gospel around the time of the birth of Jesus. Do you remember that old guy, Simeon, who came into the temple? And uh, the Bible says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, the word consolation is a translation of the Greek word paraklesis, and it means to comfort. 
And that's Jesus. You know, he, he was the consolation of Israel. He was the one that Simeon was waiting for. Jesus is our comfort. Now, we all need comfort and encouragement from time to time, but this is not speaking about general comfort, but a special kind of comfort, a specific comfort, the comfort that the Scriptures said all along was coming, the, the comfort that releases us from guilt. Only Jesus can give that kind of con- consolation, set us free from sin. You know, the Bible says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And that means blessed are those who see their need of forgiveness, those who mourn. They're aware of their sinful nature. They come to God, and God comforts them by giving them Jesus. There's one translation that puts it as uh, blessed are those who recognize their need of him. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. It's like we get to that point where we say, you know what, God, I need you. I can't get by without you. That's right. And that's all that is needed to qualify us for the comfort of forgiveness through Jesus. He's the physician that God sent into this world to heal the sick, mm. those that are spiritually sick. And all you need to do, be is sick yeah. <laughs> to be forgiven. And, you know? and humble. I mean, it, and the Bible exactly. talks about the fact that God resists the proud. But, you know, when you're humble, that's when he is open to you. Yeah. You know, there was a time when Jesus said to a man in the scriptures, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the greatest news that anyone yeah. can hear is that they've been yep. forgiven. That's the comfort that God wanted to give us all along. You know, sorry, just coming back to Simeon, um, yeah. he, you know, he was waiting for that consolation of Israel. Do you think he knew that the Messiah was uh, you know, just around the corner, he was about to be born? I believe he did. I mean, in fact, I've studied that passage in depth, and uh, Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit was upon him, and that the Holy Spirit revealed to him, in fact, that he would not die until he had seen the Christ. You know, the one that all of Israel throughout the ages was waiting for, the Messiah, Mm. the one who would come and take away the sin of the nation and the sin of the world, you know. And what an incredible thing. When the Holy Spirit revealed to him, you won't die until you see him. And then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit actually led him to the temple and revealed to him that the baby that Mary and Joseph brought into the temple that day was, in fact, the Christ. And, in fact, the Bible says that he got to hold him in his arms. He got Mm. to hold the comfort wow. in his arms must have been awesome. Imagine. Yeah. Just imagine. And, and so, you know, the Holy Spirit was very much involved with this. And, and it's not a coincidence, Phil, that the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, the parakletos. You know, Jesus is the paraklesis, the comfort, but the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, you know, what do you believe about the ministry of the Holy Spirit? And I think they were looking for me to kind of reply in, um, you know, answering about all the Pentecostal distinctives like speaking in tongues, healing and so on, which I do believe in that. But that was not the main function of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was to get us to focus on Jesus so that we would know the comfort of our sins being forgiven and us knowing what it is to be righteous in the sight of God. Now, some people say the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. You probably heard that a lot. Actually, it's really the, the the devil that does that. He's the one that is the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that's getting us to be sin-focused. The Holy Spirit is always wanting us to get our attention on Jesus mm. because he's the one that, that is our comfort. But wouldn't some quote the verse that says, uh, when he has come, he will convict the world of, this, of sin? Yeah, but, but let's look at that. When he's come, he will convict who? The world, <laughs> not the church. He will convict the unsaved of their sin. But let's go on also to look at Jesus' explanation of that. He said, I've sinned because they believe not in me. See, that's the, that's the sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of now. I believe the world knows that it's sinned in, in the sense of breaking the commandments of God. 
But this is what God has done now. This is the greatest thing that he's done. He's given us his son. Now, anyone that turns away from Jesus will come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're walking away from your salvation. Why wouldn't you believe in Jesus? You know, he's a free gift. Why wouldn't you receive him? And so the Holy Spirit convicts people of that sin. But to those of us who know him, he's constantly wanting to comfort us and to bring us this overwhelming sense that we are forgiven and that we're cleansed. Well, there's that verse that you quoted yesterday, Ken. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's that's really what the comforter of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is. Yeah, in fact, Phil, I used to wonder at that verse. You know, he says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, I can understand faithful. He said he he would and he will. What about just? The thing that helped me to understand that was an incident that took place in my pastoral ministry. I was called to the hospital once to um, comfort a couple that uh, had just lost a baby, you know, stillborn. And uh, this had happened a few times. They had uh, a few children that had died at, at birth. And I tried to comfort them and encourage them. I said, have you ever looked at adoption? i never forget this big guy, you know, he said to me with tears streaming down his eyes, he said, we've tried to, but they won't let me because I have a criminal record. Mm-hmm. And then he said to me these words, Phil, he said, I paid for my crime. I went to prison, but now I'm being made to pay twice. I don't think that's fair to you. I came out of hospital thinking about, no, that's not fair. That's unjust. He's paying twice. Mm. Our sins have been paid once by Jesus. God would be unjust if he punished us for sins that Jesus Christ has already died for. So if we confess our sins, look to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Well, that brings us to the end of our series this week. Hope you can join us next week when we start a brand new one. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book New Covenant, New Glory, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.